Yes, sir. Check my check, my check. One, two, one, two. <clears throat> What's going on? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we're good. All right, good, good. All right, so let's get straight into it, sort of, kind of. So for today's topic, for the people that are listening, we're, we're going to discuss um, the transition from adolescence to adulthood. And by that, I mean, you know, kind of things that, you know, growing up as a kid, you kind of take for granted things that, you know, you enjoyed or didn't like as a kid. And now that, you know, uh, I believe E and I more or less are, you know, young adults. Uh, how old are you, E? Man, I'm 25 years old. So we're both 25, you know, mid-20s, kind of, you know, been out of college for a couple few years. And just kind of talking on things that just, you know, nobody really tells you about from when you go from that, you know, middle school to high school and high school to college and college to, to the real world, just things that people don't, don't talk about, you know, um, just like simple things like bills. Uh, you know, as a kid, I was, you know, you kind of take that for granted, you know, you, as a kid, you're, oh, you can't wait to be grown. You can't wait to be 18. You can't wait to go out the house, uh, all this stuff. But I mean, it's the moment you know, you got these bills, those bills, bills everywhere just a pain out of pocket completely out of pocket (laughs) um so you you, uh what how was your childhood like explain your childhood and like if you could summarize you growing up yeah that's a great question um so to start off my childhood basically so um the my core of my family, you know, I got three older brothers, one younger sister. We're all pretty gapped out. Um, the closest brother to me, he's about six years older, and my sister is six years younger. So we've all pretty gapped out. My older, my older three brothers, they're they're closer in age, and so just starting off with them, I really looked up to them, and you know, you had those times where, well, you're the oldest, so. I had those times when I was getting, you know, tortured and, you know, jokes all around, want to see their, <laughs> see their yeah. games, playing video games with them, them not letting me win at anything, to now me being the big brother and I'm doing the same with my sister. So um, going along, I didn't really have, like, the strongest relationship with my brothers or my sister because I feel like that age gap was there. And... um <clears throat> For a good amount of time, it was just me and my sister as my brothers was living on with their lives. And then, but, you know, going along with elementary school, middle school, high school, I was always, you know, the class clown. A lot of people, you know, I, I don't like to call myself a popular one, but a lot of people knew me. And um, and therefore, you know, what comes with being a class clown is also ass whoopings, uh, oh, unfortunately. Yeah. So. That's um that's what a good amount of my childhood was is you know I've been on punishment for as long as maybe three months man it's it's been some times <laughs> where I made some bonehead decisions and really suffered the the consequences for a long time and had a long time to think but it was um you know I was still very immature entering high school and my first year as a freshman I didn't make grades. And that kept me from playing sports. So from that point on, like, I started to mature a lot more and just to start taking things serious because, like, in high school, it's like, damn, like, you you really had to feel that moment to, like, grow up in a sense. I, I wasn't the most mature, but, you know, I was starting to enter that stage. But then entering college is just going through a whole nother stage but yeah that's that's i mean if i could put in a, a summary we could get more into details with some stuff but okay yeah i i i i feel you on the uh in elementary school i was i was the the <clears throat> class clown trouble child whatever you want to call it i'm well me mentally as a kid so i was born in jackson tennessee which is like right in between Memphis and Nashville. And so um, I believe in or second grade, some, sometime along there, 
we moved to Nashville. We went from well, I, I don't remember much from Jackson, but I do remember going to a predominantly black uh, school. And so all my friends are black, um, yada, yada, yada. And then when I went to Winston County, it's predominantly white. And as a kid, you know, I didn't get along with anybody. One, I was mad because we moved. So I was throwing fits all the time. And two, I left all my friends. And when I, I couldn't connect, I didn't really connect with anybody uh, when I moved to my new school. So I was always just getting in trouble because I was seeking attention kind of thing. And I, I, my mindset was so bad. I used to have this thing where I wanted to figure out how fast can I get in timeout. <laughs> like, I wanted to see how, how quickly can, when this bell rings, how quickly can I end up in, this, in the corner in this classroom? And so, you know, I kind of was just BSing all then. And then for me, um, it, for me, when I started to mentally mature was when I got to about middle school, my, so I, you know, I eventually made friends in elementary school, but when I got to middle school, I think because I was the oldest, I, and I, I started to, my parents started to put, you know, these responsibilities on me. For like when I come home, I got to make sure I watch Kylan because which Kylan's my younger brother, two years younger. And then Trey is another younger brother. He's 10 years younger. So um, when I come home from middle school, I got to wait for Kylan to get off the bus from elementary school. And, it, you know, I was kind of the man of the house till mom and dad got home. I was in charge of whatever, whatever. till mom and dad. I was the babysitter until mom and dad got back, basically. I feel like I that. I can only imagine you in that moment. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But because uh, I ain't trying to spill all the tea, because me, me and Kylan, we 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 taking some stuff to the grave. But, um, but yeah. So I feel like that's when I started to kind of mature, mature, and then I kind of found out that I didn't really like people. Like, I like individual persons. I don't like people. So, you know, I, you know, I kind of how I am now, you know, I don't like going out. I don't like being in crowds. I don't like going to parties. I'd rather just stay at home by myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I didn't like that early, early on uh, because I just didn't like people. Cause you know, I would just look at people and be like, ugh, I can't stand people. Um, and so that kind of, I don't know if that's necessarily maturity, but that's kind of how I got into high school where I didn't really go to much gatherings or parties and all that stuff, which helped me stay out of trouble. You know, when I got to high school, I wasn't getting in any trouble because I kind of I kind of fixed it because I was going down the wrong path at some point. But um, getting into detail, uh, I guess from. Was there anything from, I guess, middle school to high school is a big uh, phase for a lot of people where they start to try to find out who they are as a person or, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, some people it's, they, they do this phase from high school all the way through college. Um, for you, did you kind of figure out who you wanted to be or who you were um, early on in high school or did you, did you, that kind of trickle into college? Man, no. <laughs> in high school, man, it was, it was all about, for me, once again, I was a class clown but you know, I've I've always needed the attention, right? You know, right. you got some kids that's like you, like you don't, you know, don't talk to me, don't say nothing, none of that, right? But people, I was on the other side of it. it was like, dang, like I want in the in some way possible, I want to make a situation about me, so I'm gonna make somebody laugh, or I'm a I'm I was one of those people that was dancing at rallies. I was one of those people that was. You know, doing something that get everybody's eyes on you and getting everybody to notice you. And with that, like growing up as a kid, I, I wanted to be like an actor or something. I always, always in, um, you know, Will Smith, Will Smyers, <laughs> Will Will Smith always <laughs> uh, inspired me. Um, Chris Tucker, one, another one of my favorite actors. You know, just people that can play the goofy role and um be funny at the same time it's just like that's who I was envisioning myself to be because I wanted it to be so natural for me so when I did have the opportunity to possibly act that it would just be second nature but I didn't know what I wanted to do man until I got to JUCO really and that was when I wanted to play football and then once I get into Mizzou 
I didn't really know what I wanted to do again and going through that stage, but, you know, finally finding what I wanted to do. But I, I say in high school or middle school, I really didn't have it. I didn't have it there yet. I had no, had no clue. So when, when was, when was your click? When was your click where you were like, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do. Or at least this is the area I want to be in. I think me always playing sports, I knew I've always wanted to be around sports because, you know, I watch sports and that came like in middle school, um, middle school wise, you know, especially when you always play sports. I was playing three sports at the time. I played baseball, basketball and football. I was like, I mean, I play sports all around uh, year round. So that's, you know, that's something like you kind of assume that you want to get into in middle school. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, so now, what are some things, you know, now that you look back on, that you that you didn't understand then, but you understand now? Like me, um, or I, you know, I look back at like some of the stuff I did that I got ass whoopings for. Back then, I thought it was terrible. You know, yada yada yada. Now, like you know, some people, you know, there's controversy. Oh, you shouldn't beat your kids. It doesn't work. No, that worked. It for me, it worked. I'm glad my parents whooped the shit out of me when they did because, you know, it, it's made me to the to the man I am today. You know, I got a clean criminal record. I got, you know, I'm making leaps and bounds to the goals I have. But it's because my parents whooped my ass every time I was doing something I shouldn't have been doing. And, you know, I have, I have, like, it's so weird to say, but I appreciate getting my ass whooped as a kid because now I understand. You know, I get, you know, back then my mom, dad would get home and, you know, the, the, the house would be a mess. They'd be mad. In my head, I'm like, why does it matter? Like, I could do this whenever, yada, yada. But now I'm older. I get that nobody wants to come home to a dirty house when there are people that have been in this house all day. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but they come home to it not done. And then, you def- you know, my house, my rules. I get that because I have rules in my house. Even though I live by myself, I got rules here. And I totally get that now. Is there anything like that for you that uh, you kind of like dwell on? Yeah. And before we get on my point, I want to just hit on the point of like getting whooped. I definitely have my fair share of whoopings when, especially when I was immature in those days. And it was like, it came to a point when you're young, it's like, dang, bro, like I'm sick of whooping. <laughs> I'm just sick of it. Right. I'm I tired of getting it. <laughs> I'm just, but the best, you know, the quote that still stick with me today is saying, I'm only whooping you because I love you. And you oh. ain't, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> what? That'll make you, no sense. Right. You over here making me cry. You are physically like, hurting me. Right. This hurts. Let me whoop you. <laughs> Obviously, it probably wasn't going to hurt him, but it's like, this hurts. I ain't going to say, I'm only doing this because I love you. I ain't seen no love that night. Um, my my example would be um, food, food things, right? You got any McDonald's money? Um, oh, Leftovers, yeah. right? Because oh. I'm seeing it now. I love leftovers now. Oh, what? Like, oh, somewhere yeah, for, for sure. lunch, something for lunch the next the next night of dinner. You plan Man, leftovers, love. Yeah. Man. But back in the day, when I was young, I was like, "Mom, like, why are we always eating leftovers? Like, can you make some? Can you make something fresh today? Like, I want something fresh." But now it's damn. Like, I value leftovers so much in my life because you know you don't want to cook every day, or you don't want to just stop by McDonald's. Or I mean, I don't really be going to McDonald's, but you know, just fast foods every day just because you see it. You right. know, and now I understand why I needed that McDonald's because she wasn't going to be spending money like that. Right. Because that, and that stuff really adds up because you've got food. at. It's like you waste the money twice. Not only are you spending money on food you don't need, but you wasting the money you spent on the food that's at the house. Like, yeah. uh, and you, yeah. I was just going to say, and it's crazy, just because the, of the two quotes that I just mentioned, 
it just seems like black people all over the world <laughs> watch the, the same. same show. <laughs> right. Grew up, had the same grandfather, had the same parents, and just say the same fans for every situation. Your grandmother made you go get your own switch. <laughs> nah, my my granny didn't didn't use switch, but she yeah I didn't have to do that. Uh, speaking of that, where whenever uh if my brothers ever was getting whooped and my mom was like go get a belt, I used to go find the thickest leather belt I could possibly <laughs> find. I just be happy, but if I got to get my own, I find the most brittle. Worn out, <laughs> gentle, gentle belt I can find. How about this though? Like you, you, you know when you' about to get that whooping. Honestly, it it used to be so. Man, those days where you know you just about to get a whooping and it haven't happened yet, those oh, be yeah. the longest days longest. ever, bro. Like I swear, like you might have, like. I got kicked out of school, like, not kicked out of school, but suspended or whatnot, and then I'll get home at 1 o'clock, and my parents get home probably, like, 4 or 5. Knowing I'm about to get that whooping, it felt like 8 hours, bro. (laughs) You ever tried to do the trick of acting like you sleep? Yes, on car rides, if I was acting up somewhere, we had to drive home. I used to pretend I was sleeping in the back. (laughs) Yeah, that didn't work with my family. It ain't no <laughs> well, I don't know why you just think, oh, he's sleep. We ain't gonna whoop him. Yeah, they just came in swinging. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember one, my parents had a trick. They used to always had a trick where if I used to pretend I was asleep, even though they said I was gonna whoop me, and then it'd be like, my parents would be talking to themselves, like, oh, let's go get some ice cream. So, oh, no, they're asleep. We won't get ice cream. We pull them in the garage. I woke up talking about some, oh, we getting ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh man, they know how to get you, man. Oh yeah, for sure. Now, um, like, I feel like the the biggest thing that I always think about that transition from, you know, becoming an adult and mature is the like your mental, the mindset. Because you know, your brain's not your frontal cortex isn't fully developed till you're about twenty five, and that the frontal cortex is used for like decision making and like judgment which is vitally important to like human survival in general, that's not fully developed to your 25. So even when you're 18, your, your full capabilities of making the best decisions for yourself, that part of your brain isn't fully developed yet, even though you're a legal adult. For you just talk about maybe for you personally or, or what you've seen, how huge of a, of a mindset is it like the difference? Now I, trying to figure out how to work this. Because I know for some people, you know, they still have that childish mind, even though it's fully developed, but they're still, they're still not there yet. But for me and you, I feel like we're pretty, uh, we're pretty competent. Like for you, what's that, what's the biggest mindset? Like that gap, what is that? Like to you? Um, I think it's just, that's a great question. And I think the best way to put it is your effort. You know what I'm saying? Um, a lot of people, you know, maybe their brain is fully developed, but they still go back to their childish ways is because they don't want to change or they feel like right. they're entitled to what their um, what their actions are. Or, you know, th- there's a lot of people in this world that, you know, decide, oh, you know what? I am wrong in this situation. You know what? I- I'm still struggling with it, but. You know, I'll still be working to change it. And that's just the effort part. You thinking in that moment right there is like, dang, I'm wrong. Maybe I should consider, you know, maybe another action or another emotion that you may show. I think it's your effort part. And just for the fact that some people, some people been spoiled, right? Some people always had things handed to them. So it don't matter how much you've developed. Things been handed to you all your life. So you're going to expect that all your life. Things not just going to change when um, somebody don't hand you something and you're like, hold up. Like, I'm fully, like, I fully understand this because this is the first time it happened to me. I'm able to adjust. No, you know, you're, you're able or you've always been handed things. So 
you're going to feel like that's just how life is. Right, right. Is is that is that um what you think it is for society? And if it is, is is that the same for you? Like for you what what's what separates you from everybody else me- mental wise? Like me- mentality wise, what separates you? Mm, another great question. I I don't know if it's a society type thing. Um, something I want to get into is like, it, it's just what you've grown up seeing in your home, I would think. Um, grown right. up learning in your own environments. Because society could say a lot, right? Oh, you got to be tough or you got to be this and that. But if you're not that, you know, some people just going to revert to their ways. But it's usually going to see the things that you see most in the places that you're around most. So um, what makes me different? Can you kind of explain that a little bit more? So, so like, uh, I'll, 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 I'll do myself first, just as an example. So I believe, I believe for me, like my mentality-wise, what separates me from, you know, everybody else is, I'm obsessed with knowledge. Like I have an ambition for knowledge because at an early age, my parents used to tell me knowledge is power. I want power, you know, like not, you know, power so I can dominate people, but just a heavy influence on just whatever I want to do. I want power and influence. And what, how you get that besides money is knowledge. So all I read, I read all this stuff. I, I do random research papers that's not even for school or I'll just research stuff so I can know. I want to, one of my goals is to be the most well-knowledged person to have ever walked this earth. Just, I, I just want to know stuff that I don't even like do for a living. I just want to know everything. I'll never know everything, but I want to, that's what I'm striving for is to know literally everything. Jack of all trades, right? Mm-hmm. I believe that's what separates me because I'm so obsessed with gaining information I'll, I can teach myself just about anything. I can learn anything. I can become not an expert, but I could, you know, if you want to talk about a topic I don't know anything about, give me a week. And I can sit down and have a conversation with you. Yeah. I feel like that's what separates me because I want to have my foot in every single door. You yeah. know? That's what yeah. I believe okay. separates me. Yeah. And that's, that's I, I could definitely see that. I could definitely see that. I think mine is geared more to I think I have a natural care for people like a natural, like, like me, I want to do, you know, I'm a natural people pleaser. Like I want to do whatever is going to make everybody happy. And with that, right. like I get out of just thinking, okay, what's not the best for me, but what's best for the person that in front of me or the people surrounding me. I try to, I, I, I inspire myself to be a motivator and I think it's just because I don't care. Like, I, I want to be the person that gives that advice. And when it comes to that, that's why I think I make my decisions because I don't, I don't try to make decisions off of selfish needs. Like, if you know me, I don't really care about what people may think of, like, what, what you should be wearing, what you should be driving or anything like that. Right. I, like I don't care nothing about jewelry or nothing because I don't really care. I don't value that. That's not me. Like that's not what I value. I value relationships. I value, you know, helping people out whenever they're um, down or even sustaining, helping them sustain that joy that they may have. So, um, I think for me, if if that, I don't know if that fits into the answer, but for me, I think yeah, it's just yeah. natural care for people. Yeah, I, that definitely answers the question. Um, so, yeah, um, what do you think is the hardest part of getting to a mentally mature uh, level from, you know, adolescence? Like, uh, I don't know about you, like me growing up personally, I, well, I don't even know. I don't even know what my biggest struggle was, like mentally growing up, because I kind of hit that that like not really caring what other people think. I kind of hit that early, but before then, you know, when I was, you know, in trouble, I needed attention. Like I had to, 
I had to cause a ruckus. I had to to do this, do that. I had to be a part of the. I had to be the. I wanted to be the cool kid, but it wasn't until I realized that none of this matters that I was like, you know, I don't care about being a cool kid. I want to be different. I think it's when I when I mentally decided that I wanted to be different is when I stopped, you know, feeding into the you know societal BS and and stereotypes is where you know you know people try to like, oh, I want to be normal. No, 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 no. That, the last thing I want to be is normal. You know, I'm trying to be the weirdest kid out there. I'm trying to be, you know, an astrophysicist, a personal trainer, you know, and a, and a, and a professor all in one. I don't want to fit the norm. And I got that at such an early age because fortunately, you know, my parents are such a blessing. They instilled that I could do whatever I wanted. I could be an astrophysicist and be, you know, and still, you know, do the football thing and look like an athlete. Because as a kid, you used to always think, you know, as a kid, we only see black people become successful through either rapping or sports. We don't really see anything else. So in your mind, it's like, okay, I'm either going to be a basketball player, a rapper, or I'm just not going to be any of that and do this. Like, there is no, nobody tells you there's an option to do both. Yeah, you can go play college football and get a degree in physics. Nobody, you know, nobody says that. Nobody told me that except for my parents. Like, you can do it. It's not going to be easy, but you can do it. And so, I, you know, I got that mindset. Of, okay, I'm going to do it because that's not the norm kind of thing. Yeah. Man, that's a great question. I don't know what exactly it is. Can you, I know, I know the, the example, but can you just ask that question one more time? Because uh, you were saying, like, the mental state, like, what was the turnover – yeah, like what was what was the hardest part? Oh, hang on, I'm trying to word it to where it's not sounding weird. So, like as a kid, so as a kid, mentally, you kind of you got to mentally mature to become, you know, an adult into that manhood. What's the for you personally? What was the hardest part mentally to get over to where you you have become the the guy you are now? About you know wanting to to cater to other people wanting to help and motivate other people like where where did that uh care for others come from kind of thing yeah yeah and um i feel like my parents did a great job of showing by their action of their care for others so i've i've always had to care for others it was just the immaturity part for me like the attention seeker and the attention grabber and always got to be the class clown so once again I know the hardest part of getting over that right is I guess as a kid I felt like if nobody like it's like what you said find it's being recognized you needed that attention I didn't really need the attention from my parents but I wanted it from my peers um right I wanted to be I want it to be so cool that now I'm doing things that's out of my realm. And I've always felt like I was myself, but I took things to the extreme. And um, I did things that I was not comfortable with. Um, so it was it was at a point, right, where you're, you're a kid and you feel like you got you to gotta become a person that Right. To become a person that once you're somebody keep calling me, my bad. You, you, good? you keep that you're not. You you got to um dang, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, so when you when you're a kid and you know, people are pressuring you to become a person that you're not. Um, you just, man, I, I lost that all the way through. Dang. Boy, that CTE but... is something serious. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just the, the call threw me off and it threw my train of thought. But just saying, like, the hardest part was just letting go that, like, letting go that people don't need to see me all the time. Like, you're going to be okay. And there's a lot of people out there like, hey, like, I'm the funny guy. Remember this. Remember this. That's why, hey, I'm the guy that could dance. Remember this. Remember this. I'm the guy that can entertain you. Remember this. Like, 
you don't have to continue to remind people that you keep doing it because at this, some point it's just going to turn annoying. Right. And right. um, it's just, and then once that annoying, it, it comes trouble. Right. I, I just can't imagine myself being like, I'm going to be the funny guy today in class. And now I'm being a dickhead in class and the teacher is over there. Like, like, why is Anthony got to do this again? Like, I'm just trying to do my job and help teach the best way I can so everybody can understand. And Anthony just want to act like a jackass. Like, I've never really seen it that way. Oh, but yeah. Me now, me now seeing this, like, like, damn, like, I was really a jackass to yeah. plenty of my teachers. I, I was a dick. But at that point, it was just about me. You only see your perspective, especially very young. Um, So... I guess just letting go of people don't really see need to see like need to get a hold of me right now. Like it don't matter that much. It's funny you said that because uh, you know my this is my first year uh, teaching a lab at the university, and I after one year of that, and this is college, so you know everybody's a little more mature. I have so much respect for elementary teachers because I could not. First of all, I don't like kids. Okay. I'm good with kids, but I don't like handling a bunch of other people's kids because they're, they're just too wound up. I cannot imagine for seven to eight hours out of the day trying to, to babysit and, and get these elementary school kids to pay attention to what I'm trying. Because, you know, um, what's the, there's, there's a study done that basically said as a kid, your attention span is the equivalent of your age in minutes. So if you're five, your attention span is five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Could you imagine being in school for seven hours with, what, 50, whatever, however long schools are now, 50-minute classes, your attention span is five minutes? I could not, like, I have so much respect for <laughs> elementary and middle school teachers. I, I just, I couldn't do it. That's I funny. couldn't do it. Yeah, so just imagine, just imagine if you would have to take care of me, Fonis. That would have been you would have probably, you would have probably quit. I'd, right I'd there and now, I'd have just joined the military. <laughs> That's my last resort. Yeah, no, no disrespect to all the military people out there. Um, but uh, oh man, oh so next, I'm trying now. I want to segue into the college realm, because um, okay. uh, for me. My parents, my my mom has, my mom has a bachelor's. Uh, my mom and dad both got their bachelor's at uh, University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. My mom got her master's at the University of Memphis. My dad got his master's at the University of Tennessee, the real UT. Sorry to all my Texas people out there. Oh wow! Um, hey man, look, we help. Look, without Tennessee, Texas would not be a state. Anyway, moving forward, <laughs> that's a podcast for another day. Um. At University of Tennessee. Now my mom, she's actually she's about to get her PhD from Trevecca in Nashville. But like with with you know your parents, my parents, they're both still married. I had a you know a, both my parents as a kid, you know not a single parent household. So we had a pretty you know I had a pretty good childhood. We lived in the suburbs. You know I'm not from the hood at all. I don't pretend to be. I'm from the burbs. So my you know my parents set this standard for me, and like going it's funny because a lot of people think, you know, oh, you're from the burbs, you know, uh, going to college, like you, you got it so good, but living to that bar, like going to college was not an option. Like, no, 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 no. I, if I, I would have felt so bad if I didn't, cause my parents did, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to fill my dad's shoes. I'm trying to live up to my mom's standards. Cause I, I help, I hold them on like this pedestal. No, you know, now I do because I understand like all the dirt, that they had to go through so I so me and my brothers could live the life we live. So I had to go to college. That's not an option. So now getting into college, there's there's so much stuff in college that high school doesn't prepare you for. Like it's mind blowing the amount of stuff that, that high school doesn't prepare you for and all the lies they tell you. Like I remember one of my high school teachers was like, Oh, you can't they wouldn't let us wear hats at school because hats were a distraction. First of all, it's a distraction because you make it a distraction. Nobody's distracted from a snapback, okay? Second of all, <laughs> they used to always say, oh, you can't wear hats in college. It's not going to fly. I wore a hat almost every single day my, like, freshman, <laughs> sophomore year. 
So I don't know what they were talking about. But anyway, hey, finest. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. The the hats with the eyes could be a distraction. <laughs> <laughs> you still got the the hat? Yeah, this is my favorite hat. I still got the hat. <laughs> All right, but but um, so for you, I guess well, let's just talk about how college. Um, and first, I want to say this before I get to talk about college is I, I understand that everybody needs to go to college. I'm not one of those people that that are like, oh, everybody should go to college because that's the way to go. No, no, no. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I think you should only go to college if you need to. My profession, I want to be a professor. I have to have a Ph.D. to become a professor. Ergo, I have. But, you know, if whatever you want to do in your career doesn't require you to go to have a college degree then you don't, you know, I'm not, you don't need to go to college to waste the money and time. If you want to go for it, if, you know, if you'll get a pay raise, if you have a college degree, go for it. But, you know, I'm don't, I'm not one of those guys that think you, everybody should be forced or like, it looks bad if you don't go to college. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I just want to get that out there. So people don't think I'm saying everybody should go to college. Now, now that's out the way. For me, uh, let's just talk about how, you know, how college I feel like college is a really good feel, a really good phase in your life where you're getting close to that frontal cortex being developed. And, you know, it's kind of this four to five year point of your life where you're mentally are starting to like, like really develop. It's almost like puberty, but mentally instead of physically, I believe is that 18 to 25 age range. Um, and so I guess just talk about, or, you know, if you want to talk about an event or a, a topic or, you know, questions about um, how college mentally shaped you, if it did at all. Man, um, college changed a lot. That was like a big pivotal point of my life, especially going through um, the after after my JUCO day. So when I was strictly in Mizzou and I think one of the biggest things I learned about college is, first of all, like, I had to grow up fast because I wasn't in California anymore and it wasn't, it wasn't driving the distance. So anything that I had to handle and take, a, take care of, like I really had own. to right. Like my mom yeah. would be on the phone, but other than that, like I got to I got to get it done. And I faced the consequences when I didn't um, face my responsibilities. Um, I was, I was always a person that put things on the back burner you know, when you're at home, it's easy for my mom to be like, hey, did you do this? Do you do this? Because she's very organized. She she know when things need to get done. But, like, when I'm in college now, I'm on my own. It's like I'm not checking up, like, on important things. Like, um, let's just say simple things. I'm not going to the mailbox every day checking my mail. My mom could have sent me something two weeks ago. And <laughs> right, I, I still do that <laughs> now. Look, <laughs> And she's like, did you get my mail? I was like, dang, uh, not yet. But it's just simple things like that. Did you check up on your car? Like, making sure your car's right. It's just all the many things. Like, one thing I do make sure I take care of is my bills. <laughs> I'm not going oh, yeah. to be playing with no bills around here. But it'd be other things that I, it could slip up here and there. So I just feel like it made me grow up so much faster than I wanted to. But it was good that that was the case because I did feel like, um, being home, I was I was spoiled, not too spoiled, but I was spoiled. And um, and coming up on your case, you talk about like your parents, like you felt like the need and the pressure of going to college. Once again, at that point, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew like I had a dream in you know sports in the NFL, but that wasn't really it. wasn't all my all my eggs was in that egg basket. Um, right. And it's just my so my dad, <laughs> my dad is one of the chillest persons, you know, like he don't care what you do or what you're doing as long as it's good. And you got God in in your plans and right. like you got God there in your heart. But everything else, he really don't care. Like you could do whatever. If you want to be the best garbage man in the city, you go ahead and be the best garbage man in the city. Um, but my mom. She didn't really, it wasn't really strict with her of going to college, but she made sure I took all the steps leading to college, if that makes sense, right? You know, right. take 
you know, she bought me some, you know, SAT, you know, pre-SAT books and study for that. And, you know, or she didn't make me study, but she was like, hey, you know, you should study. But it wasn't too strict to a point. She was like, hey, you're going to take two hours to study. Like this she book. wasn't forcing you, but she was just giving you the resources. Right. Resources. She works at Stanford. So there was, okay. um, there was a there was a workshop at Stanford and she, you know, she took me there. And it was just many things here and there where she saw like to get me to see just other things, but I wasn't really interested, but she wasn't like, Hey, it's college or not college. And I ended up applying to places before I went to the JUCO and I accepted to go to UNLV to do sport management. Um, and that was like the only school that accepted me really. Um, but I was settled to go there, but you know, football happened. Um, right. But, it was just like I wasn't really big on it. Like I wasn't really big on what career I wanted to go through. But you know, things change. Things happen, and uh, life changed for a reason. And I'm glad. I'm glad it is leading me to where it's leading me now. Do you think uh, being on being on the football team, you you gained uh, some advantages that uh, you probably would have been late picking up or wouldn't have if you weren't a student athlete you talk about strictly in college uh what do you mean by strictly in college like like you when when you talk about being a football player like being a football player in high school being a football player oh no at mizzou like at juco college so juco and or mizzou did it give me any advantages yeah i think so because um, rarely are you in a situation where you're competing every day. And um, there's a lot of self-motivators out there as college students, but there's also a lot of non-self-motivators um, that, you know, looking for something to do and looking for something to help them grow. In football, you was forced in that situation. You was forced to be a competitor every play, every drill, you know, every rep, every practice. You was forced to compete. And I feel like that that helped engage um, a part of my life where now I'm in this professional world and I'm very competitive. And knowing that I can't have excuses because nobody cares about excuses. Um, when we was late, right? Nobody care about any excuses that we may have come, come up with, even if it was valid or not, right? You was right. late. You were still going to face the, the day, conflict. Yeah you're still going to face the consequences. Um, your car could have broke down. You were still, well, maybe they gave you consequence or not, but more likely you were still going to face the consequences, right? Because they always, you know, being in that team aspect, it always taught you, like, you need to find a way to make something work. Um, and, you know, that just helped me now, like, when things aren't going the right way, especially in student-athlete development. Um, for those that don't know, I do work in student athlete development. A lot of things don't go your way and you just got to make, you got to make it happen. So, and so with the competitiveness um, piece of it, I also do think, you know, teamwork, the, the fact of being in a team aspect and we had a lot of personalities on our team. Right. And so <laughs> the fact of balancing and you, you're not really surprised of what you see now because oh, no, of, because of all the personality, especially with football, you're having a, more than 100 people on the team. You kind of seen it all with personalities and being able to manage how you manage that relationship. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Just a lot of people from a lot of different places and all together. And we spend 12 months out of the year together. Um, did you... When you came to Mizzou, did you ever have to do the the freshmen like the freshman stuff they made all the freshmen do like the to do list with the mentor and stuff? No. Mm -hmm. That's that's one thing I look back that really helped me mentally because I was never really a procrastinator, but like I knew I had stuff I needed to do, but I would just keep in my head. Um, and then some things would get lost here and there. But uh, freshman year, when you first get there, you got to see a mentor every week. They make sure you're, you know, on track, yada, yada, yada. But the biggest thing for me is you had to physically type up a to-do list. And it'd be like, what or do this? What's do this week? And what do you need to do this week? So if I had an exam next week, like the next week, I would have some study time. 
I'd say this time is due, this time is due. I got to do this, this, and that. And then you'd have, you'd physically check off everything. And then to, 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 to avoid running at five o'clock in the morning, you had to get this check, the to-do list signed off by your mentor doing that for a whole year. And then obviously once you prove that you can handle being in college and the responsibilities, they, you know, you don't have to have the mentor anymore. That helped me so much to where I, to this day, I still make to-do lists for the week. I actually like, I don't, I've never growing up middle school, high school, I never used a calendar. Like I thought calendars were pointless. I've never used a calendar so much in my entire life than when, you know, college now, because I make a schedule. I have so much stuff to do. I use a calendar. I use a to-do list, all that stuff that helped me in the sense of time management and um, making sure I'm on top of things. And like, I don't, I rarely forget stuff. Cause as soon as I get something I need to do, I put it on the to-do list. And then uh, the second thing I want to talk about is mental toughness. Cause uh, you didn't ever do gun club. Did you? I did. And I lied. I did have a mentor. Now that I think about you- it, I did have a mentor. Yeah, but you didn't have the to do list thing. I did. I did. Um, I'll tell you that the CTE. It, it, no, 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 no. So the I did have a mentor. I had a to do list, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I had all that. I had all that. You know, it's been a while. Yeah, it has. But, been. I forget you was gone a year earlier too. So, but uh, I think about that. So my JUCO did the same thing, right? Not really a mentor aspect, but every Monday we have team meetings, and you had to make a to do list on the team meeting and like the coaches would manage that. And that taught me, like, I feel like my JUCO prepared me so well for like the next level that I was able to balance things out. And I think if I would have went to another JUCO and it wasn't the same style, I would have struggled a lot more in Mizzou than I already did. But, um, you know, I am a man that got to put like, got to put a to-do list down and, Finest, I don't know if you know about this, but a passion planner. Um, if you ever, if you come across a passion planner, Google passion planner, bro. It's one of the best things that I've have. A passion planner. A passion planner. Look it up. It, it got you're able to put your to do list. You're able to put down your schedule. It got a calendar where you can have your schedule. You know, it, it got pages like you got the goals for the week, things you want to focus on a priority list, all of that, bro. And when I say this thing comes in clutch, it is one of the greatest tools I use in my professional world. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. All right. I got I got sidetracked because I had just Googled it right now. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that, that that's a good uh, transition from kind of already having that system in uh, JUCO before you even get to – to Mizzou. And then, uh, so the, uh, mental toughness, um, you said you did do a year of, uh, well, did you do a year, a full year of gun club? I did not do a full year of gun club. I, I lucked out. I did about maybe three weeks of it, three, four weeks. Okay. So for the people that are listening, um, gun club was basically this program. So my freshman year, I registered it, which means I was, i not, I wasn't going to play. I was basically going to use a year to develop, get stronger, bigger, whatever. So the guys that don't play that red shirt, you get a part of this, which is like 95% of the freshman class most of the time. Um, you do this thing called Gun Club, and it's almost every day of the week. It's almost, I think it's, I believe it's Monday through Friday. You got to be up at the facility ready to rock at like 5.30 in the morning. And it's just... Um, this is with Coach Pinkle, because when uh coach when coach uh and when Coach Odom came in, it was because it was based on the strength coach. So basically this is Coach Ivy, because Coach uh Kutch had a different system that was it's similar, it's still early in the morning, but Coach Ivy used to try to mentally break us down. Like it was almost like they wanted to weed out who was mentally weak and they can just go home. You don't have to do any of this. And I remember one time, so like we were talking about excuses earlier. Okay, there's two events I want to talk about. One is when we did like 270 up-downs. So we're, we're, we're going, somebody was late, right? And so he was like, all right, we're going to do up-downs until they get here. So we're just going, just going. 
we're going right. And so we don't know how many we're doing initially. Cause I think somebody like shirt wasn't tucked in or their shoelaces weren't tied. Cause it's, you know, football is a game of details. So the smallest detail will have you running. So we're at like, you know, we get, you know, you get to 20. Okay. We're going to stop at 30. You get to 30. Okay. We're going to stop at 40. We got to like a hundred and something. I was like, Oh my God, we're <laughs> going to just do this for the rest of the morning. <laughs> we got, so I'm like, there's no way we're going to just do this for the rest of the morning. We got to 150. I was like, this is it. This is the day I don't make it. And then, so we're going, and then somebody, I'm not going to say his name. I'm not going to throw his name out here, but the guys that were there know who I'm talking about. Coach, Coach Ivy was like, where's such and such? We all looked around. He's a no-show. Like, late's one thing. A no-show <laughs> is a whole nother thing. So then, because we had stopped at this point. We stopped. He stopped. Like, we're not even chopping our feet no more. He said, where's such and such? We all looked around. Nobody said nothing. He wasn't there. Get him chopping. He's like, oh. So we got him chopping again. <laughs> we got to like 250. I thought I was going to die. Arms cramping. Uh, dehydrated, about to die. And then finally we stopped. And then that was just a warm-up. Like, we still had a whole lift and all this stuff planned out for a day. So we went to go lift. But, like, that mentally almost that almost broke down half the team. But that's just, like, but that that after that, nobody ever was late. Nobody had their shirt untucked. Everybody had their shoes tied. Like, it meant to, it was what, was it called, negative reinforcement? It was so bad, nobody ever messed up again. A second time is, uh, a second time, Oh, up! Oh, I don't. Know. My CTE to kicked in. I don't forgot <laughs> what I was about to say. Your, you know what? Take your, it away, ye. Your brain durability lasts longer <laughs> than mine. So. Nah, but that that mental toughness key is definitely. Um, it definitely. Oh, kicks I remember. <laughs> I remember it kicked back. So look. So one time, uh, somebody showed up. This is a different time. Somebody showed up late to a a like a tutoring meeting or something like that or a mentor meeting. And somebody asked why they were late, and um, they gave some excuse, some BS excuse. I don't remember the details. So that next morning in Gun Club, um, Coach Ivy played this like mind game on us, right? And so he was like, uh, "We're in the we're in the team meeting room. It's just the Gun Club guys." He goes, "Everybody, go in the locker room. Put your cleats on. Meet, meet us in the indoor. You got two minutes." We're like, two minutes? Oh, bro, we're off. Everybody's sprinting." Because he's like, do not be late. Like, you know, he used his voice where everybody's like, oh, shit. Like, don't be late. So we take off. We put our cleats on. Like, every, like people are running into people. We're spread. It sounds like a, uh, 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 it sounds like a, a herd of cattle running in the, in the facility. And so we get downstairs. <laughs> we're at our cleats. We're all there. He goes, all right. Everybody, go back to the locker room. Take your shoes off. Put your tennis shoes back on. Go get and, and go meet us in the weight room. You got a minute and a half. Oh, take off. Everybody's running. Yeah, yeah. We get in the weight room. We get in the weight room. All right. Everybody go into the locker room, wash your hands, and go meet us in the quiet study room. And so at so at, at this point, we're like, something is up. Like somebody did something for him to do for him to do this, do us like this. And so there's one time we like, go in the weight room, go get uh go get uh, a neutral grain bar, go get an inner uh, uh go get like a, a bar, yeah, yeah. So then at the end of it, he was like, um, do you guys understand why we did this? Nobody. We had no idea. And he was trying to teach us time management because he's like, you just did all this in 20 seconds, 45 seconds. You know how much time you have to be somewhere. Plan accordingly. Like we did all this for this small detail. But after <laughs> that, nobody was late to a tutoring meeting. Nobody was late to a mentor meeting. Nobody was late to a team meeting. Like it's, it was these this negative reinforcement, these super small details that after that event, like it didn't sound bad, but we were spent. Like we're running full speed because we got thirty seconds to like change clothes and be somewhere else across the facility. So we're all spent. We're sweating. Like it was it was it was rough. And because we're because if anybody didn't make it in time, we were going to get them chopping, which means up downs. So, um. That's just, I mean, me just telling these stories are just two things that um, football, being a part of the football program, like, taught me very, very early on 
in like a day from those two events. That's two of like many events that happen. But those events basically instilled in me a lifelong lesson just from that one event. I've never been late to anything Mizzou football related. Never missed anything besides being like sick, but like never, you know, just missed anything. Yeah, because of close. <laughs> <laughs> came out to workouts with his bare feet. Okay, look, no so, socks on. So we had we had to be at the we had to be on the football field. Was it six o'clock in the morning? Man, early for Friday. It was a summer for Friday running, and I remember waking up. I slept through my alarm. I woke up. It was six fifty. <laughs> But thank God, for some reason, I decided to take my workout clothes home to wash because usually they wash them there. So I took them home for some strange reason. God was on my <laughs> side that day. So I so I changed at the house. I put all my stuff on. I leave the house. It is 6.52. Now, for people that don't know, if I'm driving to – if I'm driving from where I was living to the, the, the football field, to the stadium, it takes me about – Eight to nine minutes. It's two fifty-eight. Or it's two fifty. It's six. No, no, no. Five. <laughs> CTE is back. <laughs> it's five fifty-two when I leave the house. When I tell you I'm going one fifteen down Providence, I'm I ran every red light that was in front of me. I did not falter. I get on the field, no cleats, because the cleats are in the, the facility. The stadium and the facility aren't the same at this point. They, they are now, but they're separate. You got the Matsy and you got the stadium. My cleats, stadium. So all I have, didn't even have time to put my socks on because they were too tight. And they take me, I get like sit down and like scrunch them up to put them on. So I get to the stadium. I park like right in front of the entrance to the stadium. <laughs> I run out there, one minute to spare, barefoot, and I made it on time. That's the no. only time I've ever been close to missing something. We, we, we knew. Look, we knew something had to happen for finest to miss or almost you know, be late. Because you know I'm always early. And and did so did somebody end up bringing you your socks and your cleats or you yeah one of the barefoot? one so one of the GAs went to the he asked my locker number one of the GAs of the uh, weight room GAs went mm-hmm. up to the Matsy and got my cleats for me. But I ran the first what we do we did four quarters of like eight. I did the first the first quarter of barefoot and then after we had our little intermission i put them on after that well my feet were tore, my feet were so rough that turf just took off Ugh, my feet were killing me after that man so so what do you remember what cuts made it said during that time what he what what cuts may have said or like i feel like he says something at oh, that time. when I came in, yeah, he he came in. He looked at me. He looked at it. You know, he got his little his little watch, and he goes, "Well, he's not late." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Bet, cool," and I just ran him. He he didn't have a problem because one, I wasn't late, and I didn't right. miss any of my times either, barefoot. Yeah, so and you know, I, was, yeah, I knew he was. I was just there. Yeah, as long as I was making my times, they didn't care. Remember that moment, bro. That moment, man. Everybody was like, "Find us, no way, find us, man." Oh, but uh, yeah, mental toughness. Is there any? Is, is, <laughs> is there any uh examples or like experiences that uh you have as far as you know, just anything uh from the football program as as tar- in terms of just toughness? Because I. I which I never even got to this point, but after going through, you know, all the Mizzou stuff, like I feel like mentally I can handle, I feel like I can handle anything because I've been through so much mental, like training, uh, like the positive self-talk, all the, the, the mental, like, you know, just take a step back, like all the mental training and toughness and mental torture I've been through. Nothing phases me. Nothing like nothing at all phases me like mentally. I just, I can stay calm in the middle of a tornado. Because of all the stuff I've been through. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing more need to say, I feel like, from a football example, right? Um, just all the examples. Gun Club was a big one. You had the 
Well, we had Matt Drills. Matt Drills was a big oh one. Oh, my gosh. Um, And just a lot of conditioning. Like, conditioning itself is just a big mental game. Yeah, for sure. So, I don't, I don't have anything to add on or any specific examples with the mental game. All right. And I got, I got one more thing before we close out, before I pass around the offering. Uh, oh, CTE. Oh, so is there anything? So you know, you work, uh, you work in the student athlete development. Is there anything like that you like specifically harp on to your athletes that you learned um, in college, whether it's whether it's just like college in general or specifically football? Is there anything that you kind of always want to, especially to I guess the incoming guys, the younger guys that you try to pass on to them and like in terms of advice or things that you know. You know, those things are like, you know, they might not seem important now, but you really need to, you know, take note of this, this, and this or whatever. Yeah. Um, there's, I have an example, you know, whether that's as an athlete, and I also have an example of what that's as, you know, a student. So I'll go to the athlete example first is, okay. you know, a lot of young people and, you know, I wasn't no top athlete anywhere, but I've seen a lot of things. You see a lot of examples that goes on. And I feel like, with our peers, um, most of our peers stood out because of the extra work that they did every day. Um, I live with Charles Harris. If, you know, give you a little background on Charles Harris, he was a um, – was he All-American? I, I uh, feel like he was. If he's not, he was an All-SEC guy. Yeah, um, he was for sure All-SEC. I think he was All-American. First round, first round, he plays on the Falcons right now. And that was my roommate. Um and just seeing what he did every day in and day out was just inspiring. I didn't, you know, I didn't take that route. I wanted to be comfortable. And Charles decided to be great. So, you know, Charles would leave the house at 4 o'clock in the morning to go to the indoor and just work, right? And just those little things, he took the extra step. And just try to tell people, like, you don't have to be, be the most talented out there, but you do have to work on your game every day. You do, whether that's doing something on the field or doing extra stretching or doing extra things with um, in the training room, doing extra things in the film room. You got to take little by little every day to make it become a habit and you're eventually going to be a well-rounded player. So that's why I tell some of my guys, like, you, you can't just take any days for granted and feel like you got to be able to chill because at some point in time, especially here at Clemson, man, they're bringing in some guys, bro. Like, right. <laughs> they're bringing in some dudes. And it's you can't, you can't, you can't half-step it here because especially here, if you half-step, you're you going down the death chart. So um, that's one of the things. And then as a student, I try to get them to realize, like, try to take advantage of all the opportunities. I remember on the call, this is what we primarily talked about um, in one of the segments we was in. But just take, a, take advantage of all the opportunities that you have here um, because these things are not going to be here once. Like the resources that college provides you, and right. the development that you can become as a professional, the development that you can become as a man, just take advantage of it. Because obviously, as student athletes, especially as football players, we just see that one go. I'm trying to get drafted. But there's just so much ahead of you. Like, and that's, you know, just using Charles as an example again. Charles is very interested in real estate. And when he was on the Miami Dolphins, he was still connecting with people, trying to learn more and more about the real estate business while still being an NFL player. So, I, you know, I try to tell him, don't just shelter yourself as a football player or basketball player or whatever sport they play, because once it's done, you got to do something else. Right. Got to do something else. You, you still got the rest of your life once you get done. So. Uh, there is a point that I do want to also hit is um, so this is going more from like adolescence to adulthood. 
Um, one of the things that I've never really realized growing up and I've just now realized now is you kind of are of what you've grown up around, right? There's a lot right. of things that I struggle in with life. Um, let's say it's character issues. And mainly that is because my father or my mother struggle with that same thing. And and there's a lot of things that I strive in life. And it's the same way. Like my father and my mother strived in the same things. And you just don't, a lot of people don't realize that it's not, you know, most of your flaws that come with you, you know, most of the things that you do need to work on as a person, it don't just come out of nowhere. Like these things are kind of taught, you know, maybe not like directly, but you learn, you learn the habits, the good and the bad habits that come through your parents or whoever you grow up, whoever you grew up with. Right. And, you're, Yeah. And just with that, that's one of the things that I'm learning. And I, I, I even do like an exercise with some of my friends, right? Sometimes I have conversations and it, it'll be like, okay, like, what's a good thing that you carry from your mom and your dad? And what's something, what's something negative that you carry from your mom and your dad? And this is just basically characteristic-wise or habit-wise, just to realize, like, dang, like, a strong part of my life, a strong part of what, how I carry myself or what I do day in and day out is because I've seen that for a long time. And um, I feel like we just... You just don't realize that until you get older and you realize more and more of how your relationship with your parents is. Oh yeah, I agree for sure. You're you're a product of your environment. I, I believe that's the saying. Yeah. But yeah, I, I see that more and more as I get older and crusty. <laughs> now, well, never mind. <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> uh, what you holding out for? I was gonna say not with all them jerkins you got. Hey man, I gotta keep look. You know, I gotta keep the skin nice and moisturized. I can't be can't be dry out here. Thank God there's no winter down here, man. man. But man, any, well, you got another question for me? If not, I'm man, about I, to go I, watch the rest of this Blazers game. I believe that's it. I believe that's it. That's all I have on my end. I appreciate you for hopping on last minute. I wanted just a topic I wanted to get, you know, done and produced so we can get it out to the people, educate some people. Hopefully this will reach somebody and help them and inspire them to become better. Reach out and touch somebody's head. When are you dropping an album or EP? Uh, um... January seventeenth, two thousand sixty-seven. You go. You, go, you go hop on the track with Nelly. <laughs> you know it, yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but speaking of Nelly, he might be off. He might be uh, good now to go if you want to continue on this uh, talk. What? <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's getting late. I gotta catch. Look, I'm just like you. I'm still trying to. I'm trying to catch this game. Man, he well, said 11. I'm like, boy, you wild. I mean, even though I am watching it, but I'm ready to watch it with some volume. <laughs> I hear you. But all right, man. Appreciate again for hopping on. Sure, I'll have you on some more episodes, ladies and gentlemen. This is my my guest speaker, Mr. Anthony Hines. And uh, we'll see y'all next time. Signing off. <laughs>